Welcome to the I Dare You podcast by United Against Human Trafficking. I'm your host, Elaine Andino, and we believe that together we can end exploitation. Welcome back to the discussion around foster care and trafficking. We have today as our guest, Adam Cheney. If you've missed our first episode on this, why don't you go ahead and pause here, link back to part one so you can get caught up on our discussion. Adam makes some incredible arguments around why it's so important to protect those that are in foster care and how we need to look at trafficking in a new light. So listen to part one and then come back and join us. For those that have already listened to part one, welcome back. Buckle up. It's going to get interesting. You're telling me that it is abusive for a parent to give their child potentially life-saving medical and psychological care. And you say that that is abuse and you want to remove them and put them into this system? Right. You got to be kidding me. And they're already at so much risk to being trafficked regardless. And now we're literally putting them in the like the river of supply for trafficking. That and not to mention they're all on the verge of suicide. It, right. Right. And now they're being taken away from their support system and their family. Who love them. Love who them. Who care for them. And are trying to figure out the best ways to help them navigate life. Right. Politics. It's so hard to understand. It is so hard to understand. And you know, I would love to live in a world where we could have a podcast and wrap all this up and come up with solutions, but well, it's just, it's not. Go vote. Right. That's part of it. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, yeah. because here's the deal or, or go get a law degree because don't start a nonprofit. I'm looking at the case. Please don't start a nonprofit. Don't start a nonprofit. We got you covered. Go get a right. law degree. <laughs> Go get a social work degree and get in the streets. Exactly. That's what we got to do. Because here's the deal. Because what happened was FCAC, us, the organization I work for, along with Lambda Legal and the ACLU, we said, try us. Right. Let's go to court. And so um, we're part of this group of attorneys, a statewide group of attorneys, our organization and the two that I just mentioned, we all joined together. Uh, Equality Texas was another one who got on board. And we said, okay, screw you guys. So we sued the state of Texas. We, stu- we, we sued the agency, Kim Paxton. We said, no, you cannot do this. Get in front of a judge. A judge puts a stay on it. So we are, it's still kind of in, 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 cause people ask all the time, like, well, are, you know, our parents still being investigated for giving affirming care to trans youth? Uh, and the answer is sort of. This problem hasn't gone away. We've right. just made it a legal battle, which has kind of kicked the can down the road a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so essentially what happened last month in July, uh, just to kind of update where this thing is at, um, after back and forth in the court, the injunction is on, the injunction is off, the order's in place, the order's not in place. Basically what happened was the Supreme Court of Texas got involved. The case went all the way to the Supreme Court of Texas. Um, this one family Anyways, I don't need to get into all the legal details. The case ends up before the Supreme Court of Texas, and the Supreme Court of Texas, remarkably, says that the governor does not have the authority to issue this investigation into families. Him and Ken Paxton, this is an opinion. This is not legally binding. This is not legislative policy. They cannot do this. However, the Department of Family and Protective Services, DFPS, can absolutely investigate families for their definition of abuse. Oh, wow. Who's at the head of DFPS? Right. An Abbott-appointed individual who serves at the pleasure of the governor. 
So the ball got taken out of Paxton and Abbott's hand and put into DFPS's hand and was told, okay, DFPS, what do you want to do? You want to investigate these families or do you not want to investigate these families? Because you have a legal right to do so if you want to. So that's where we're at. Well, that's actually not where we're at because two days ago, the, uh, the person, the, the individual who was appointed to be the investigator for DP, DFPS in this specific instance, the trans youth, um, deal, he, uh, he quit. Oh, okay. He's gone. Wow. So this is just this week. So did he quit or did he get fired? He may have fired. He may have gotten fired. I think, I think he resigned. I think he resigned, but it may have been one of those situations was like mm-hmm. turning your resignation. Letter, right. right. He resigned. His name is Robert. I forget his name. Anyways, Google it. Um, so he walks out, he's off the job. So now we're in limbo again. Are these kids going to get taken away from their families? So here's the deal. And so this is a plug for FCAC. Yeah. Go for it. We are defending parents who are being investigated by DFPS pro bono for free. If you are the parent of a transgender youth and you, somebody has called CPS or CPS has contacted you, you need to call our office immediately. Just, just Google us foster care advocacy center, fcactexas.org, fcactexas.org. Look us up on Instagram, Facebook, fcactexas. We will defend you. We will take your case today. We will not let you go into court without zealous representation and social services support to keep your kid in your family because this is absolutely ridiculous and we have plenty of standing in the courts to say that you cannot take these kids away this is not how you define abuse right giving your kid adequate timely professional medical care is literally the opposite (laughs) of abuse (laughs) and let's be clear for everybody who's listening please don't call cps if you have somebody that you know that's giving do not do that <laughs> i mean don't because listen I, I don't care where people stand on their understanding of sure. the trans community sure. and what's right or what's wrong or what should be or what shouldn't be 100 calling cps is not the answer it is not the answer it is more harmful in in the likelihood that you're going to increase their trauma what happens to them put them at risk is substantially higher even if you think that being transgender is like an abomination. You don't have to also believe that that child should be taken away from their right. family right. and put into the foster care system right. that you know is broken right, and is resulting in trafficking. Right. So not only is the foster care system broken, once you leave foster care, let's talk about that for a aging minute. Aging out. The aging out process. Because yeah. in people's mind, they think, oh, okay, well, they were taken care of. Air quotes around that, for yeah, sure. for sure. They were taken care of. Now they're 18. They can go live their lives. Yes, they can. Sure. That's not really the reality of that. <laughs> well, the deal is, like, what life do they have to live, right? I mean, it's... Yeah. It, and what... Okay, look. So, like, every kid that that ages out of foster care isn't, like, doomed, right? Right. I mean, so it's just like in trafficking. Like, we... we it's uh, oftentimes for us who sit in these offices and do this work, it's easy. It's, it's tempting to, like, look at the whole population of, of those that we serve and kind of um, make it a monolith. Like, you know, you, you just generalize, right? Right. And um, 
but we know good and well that that's not a good, that's not good. And it's dangerous. Yep. <laughs> right. Right. So, um, same with, same with kids in foster care. There are children who go through Texas foster care system and come out and become just incredible human beings and, and life is good. They experienced, you know, minimal amounts of trauma, you know, and, and it all as well. Um, unfortunately though, a lot of children don't have that experience, right? A lot of children will end up languishing it within the system, bouncing between homes, bouncing between facilities, bouncing between, um, uh, workers, social workers, uh, sorry, um, CPS workers, um, again and again and again and again until the point that they turn 17 and then the state sort of kind of gives up a little bit at that point and says, well, you're 17, you can technically age out any day now. Um, and then the support kind of fades away. Right. So let's let's just contrast that with most of our kids. So we have kids. Yeah. Kids are 18. Gone are the days of you're 18, you're out on your own. No. Now now most of us as parents are paying for four years of college. Right. Right. Or they're going through some vocational school. Right. Most of the time, kids within their support system, even if it's mo- not monetary, they have a support system that really undergirds, even if it's like paying for their cell phone sure. bill right. or they're still living at home and not leaving minimum 21, 22, 23. Yeah. A lot of kids are on their parents' health benefits yep. till they're 25. I mean, there are so many resources that the average kid gets well beyond 18. And I was, I was, uh, reading a bit about the aging out process and it just made the the statement of even the social networks that kids have coming from you know being in their own home yep. being with their parents their parents friends just those social networks often sure. introduce them to jobs and introduce them to ways to help build their lives well if you're Absolutely. in foster care you don't have a social network of yeah. your parents friends and yeah. colleagues and i mean literally all this stuff that our kids just take for granted yep. you don't have that coming out of the foster it's you yeah that's true you know a lot of times the the only stable relationships they have are really at the school. So um, there are provisions in place to keep kids, even though they might switch between homes, they, they, we can advocate legally. This is why lawyers are important, right? We can go in front of a judge and say, Hey, look, this kid, I I know they're switching homes or they're switching RTCs or whatever, but like they need to stay in the same high school or they need to stay in the same middle school. Right. And so they, they have an obligation, even if, even if their foster home ends up being like an hour away, they'll have to figure out a way to transport to get them back to the same place because of this very reason, because it's like, you got to create some measure of stability somewhere uh, to give them, some of a fighting chance. Right. right. And there are, I should state, there are, um, there are ways for aging out youth to remain, uh, to keep receiving, uh, uh, services and, uh, support from the state. You mm-hmm. can actually stay in foster care after 18. Mm-hmm. Um, most don't, why would you, you right. know, but, um, there are ways to get continued care afterwards. And then there are tons of nonprofits, right? There are tons of agencies like foster care advocacy center. Well, our work stops when you're no longer our client, just cause that's, 
we're attorneys and this is how it works. Um, but there are plenty of other nonprofits that can help, uh, aging out youth with, you know, finding a job or stability or housing or, you know, direct cash, or, um, there's a, there's been a real, uh, advent of a lot of, uh, organizations nationwide really Mm -hmm. that have come onto the scene probably in the last few years, five years or so for this very reason to to support aging out youth and to make sure that there's some stability there. Um, cause a lot of the kids, when they come out, they not only had, we call them dual status kids. They might have a juvenile justice case as well. Um, they might be navigating all sorts of, you know, legal social issues that prevent them from getting a job or a license or, you know, whatever the case may be. And so, um, just like all of us at the age of 18, we were all still stupid kids at that point too. All of us, everyone, and we all needed help. We all needed the social networks to, to help us, um, get a leg up. So, but there are, there are agencies out there that can help with that. And, um, this is why, you know, this is why we need good, stable foster care homes, not homes, that are plucking babies out of the system to adopt later. Mm-hmm. Sure, that's fine. Go do that, whatever. But what we need need is not homes that are fostering to adopt, but to foster. That is just a stable place where a kid can be safe and you become that support network as they age through the system or age out of the system. Now, that's hard freaking work. Hard work. Because you got to watch kids come, come and go. You know, and, and the ideal scenario is you're fostering a kid in your home for six months and they get reunified and they go back to their home. Right. And that's hard. That is hard. But that is the greatest need in this work right there. Someone who's willing to do that hard work. Yeah, it really is. Okay. I want to, I just have this one quote that I I really want to read. Um, And then can start, you know, we can start wrapping up because I feel like you and I could go on about this forever. Right. Okay. So this is a quote that I found on the foster care to trafficking pipeline. It's actually um, from somebody who went through the foster care system and then was trafficked. So uh, this person named T said, foster care was the perfect training ground for a life of trafficking because it was in foster care throughout my 14 plus different placements Mm -hmm. where I first internalized the duality of being cared for and being raped. It was in foster care where I realized I was tied to a paycheck. Heart-wrenching and yet um, so incredibly true and common. What the the line that got me, I realized I was tied to a paycheck. Hey, that's what got me. So here's the deal, man. That, that is legit. It is. So when you, if you become a foster parent, or, you know, a, a state um, regulated facility, like I was talking about earlier, you do literally get a paycheck for that child. There are four different levels. Um, kids are categorized by their uh, level of need and, and that's health and psychological need. Um, so you could be a level one kid, which is pretty um Right way. I was going to say easy. Easy is not the right word here. Uh, but, you know, you have level one, which is doesn't need as much care support. and support all the way to level four, which is like extreme and intense. Now, in the state of Texas, those levels have a price tag. And if you're if you are caring for that kid, that the num the the dollar amount on that check goes up depending on what level that kid is at. Which makes sense because you Care, sure. care requires money. Absolutely. But it also incentivizes right. 
First of all, it incentivizes nefarious motivations for foster foster care. Exactly. Okay. So this is why some foster homes are trafficking kids, right? Uh, also, there is this incentive to keep. So the goal, like for attorneys and social workers mm -hmm. for our organization, the goal is to reduce that level. We want that kid to be plugged into therapy, into school, into you know, all these different, what, whatever the problem is. Why are they at level four, right? The goal is to reduce that level all the way to one. But there's an economic incentive to do the opposite. There's an economic incentive to keep them at that high level, not healing, not integrating, because you get more money. And so if you're a state regulated facility, right? That is getting state money to operate and you've got 70 kids in your building and they're all at levels three and four. Is there a lot? Look, I'm not trying to talk, talk trash about people, but I'm like, money is king. Oh, absolutely. And so are you incentivized to keep these to, to, to help these kids? Are you incentivized to keep them in a certain level so that you can make the max amount of dollars that the state is willing to pay? And this is being fought about a lot, but um, I'm just telling like it's just, that is such a great point because the system is broke, right? Top to bottom. Yep. It like literally needs to be totally done away with and something brand new replace it. Now that's impossible. That will never happen. Right. And God bless everybody who's trying. There are some different things that the agency is trying. There are some different uh, approaches that we're seeing happen in other states that the state of Texas is considering. Um, those so far have not been successful. Right. So we are stuck here in this situation with a government-funded agency that is run by individuals who have to take their lead from politicians who are playing cultural games. And behind all of that politics are real people living real stories exactly. with real lives. Exactly. And I think one of the things about this quote that hit me so hard too was I hear a lot of rhetoric and listen about protecting children yep. and listen, save the kids, save the kids. And I have kids. I can hardly listen to abuse about kids because it, it hurts me so yeah. uniquely. I mean, it is child. right. And yep. it's painful. Very painful. But kids grow up mm -hmm. and just because they've grown up doesn't mean their story isn't as real and right. the help that they need isn't as real. Right. And so you have this, this person named T talking about their worldview. My whole life, I was a paycheck. My whole life I was cared for and I was raped. So to be on the streets and being cared for by my pimp and being raped and then making money off of me, what do I know that's any different that than that? That is life. That is life. So when we see somebody we can make all kinds of judgments when we see an adult yeah, in front of us great point. Yeah. and we can decide, man, they're just doing that because they want to do that. Yeah. Or we don't have compassion because we're not seeing the defenseless child in their eyes anymore. We're seeing the hardened adult right. that has never been cared for. Right. And that's the part where I continuously go back to, we all have to check our motivations and our judgments and our biases because we exactly. just don't know people's stories and no people idea. need help and people need the people need other people to sit back without judgment and say, Hey, I'm going to provide these resources for you to rebuild your life. I'm not going to try to control your life. Right. I'm not going to try to tell you what to do, right. but I am going to be here to provide these resources. Yeah. 
benevolently, which I know you probably aren't going to believe for quite a bit of time based upon your experiences. Um, And hey, if you if you take it awesome and you rebuild your life, awesome. If you don't, if you stumble through 15 times. Fine. I'm still here. I'm still here. Our organization is still here for you. Right. And this is the deal, man. Like, cause I've been on the restorative care side. Like I've been upstream, downstream, midstream in the anti-trafficking world. And it's like, it's such a good point. Like this is the type of individual that might come into one of our restorative care facilities. And you just like, it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> like there's a reason why it's so freaking hard and why so many facilities have to like turn over and like staffing is difficult. And, and, you know, it's like it, you're asking us to do this thing that, you know, and unfortunately, I, I think the anti-trafficking, um, I can say this cause I'm not technically in it anymore. I think the anti-trafficking space, we still have a lot to learn yeah. as it relates to human sexuality in particular. Mm-hmm. These individuals have had their sexuality taken from them. They have had their sexuality um, turned into something that they didn't necessarily do out of their own consent. We we know that they didn't have their consent or like they're, you know, and, and, but we, we have a long road to walk before we understand how to best care for these individuals. And we need professionals who, who, who uh, have real degrees and training in these areas to take care of these individuals. And it can't just be good, meaningful folks um, who are willing to like sleep in the bedroom next door and do uh, and read books with them. Yeah. We that gotta preaches. do better. Yeah. We got to do better because do. the intersectionality, this is a deal. The intersectionality of this issue is what fuels trafficking. People say, well, how do you prevent trafficking? How do you want to end traffic? How can we possibly end trafficking? It's such a big issue. Okay. Let's focus on the foster care system. Let's focus on housing. Let's focus on equal access, uh, to, to, um, let's talk about healthcare, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a whole nother podcast. What if healthcare wasn't prohibitively expensive for literally every single person in this country? Right. Let's talk about the issues that are leading to these individuals' vulnerabilities, which are then exploited by criminal enterprises. Let's start there. And if you want to be on the back end of things, if you want to do that intervention, if you want to do that restorative care, if you want to, you know, God bless the landing for being just in the middle of it, having their doors open and and being that drop-in center. It is critical to have somebody like them on the scene, but here's the deal. They have, we all have to, and I'm not, you know, I love the landing. Shawnee, you're the best in the world. Uh, Carl, we love you. But the deal is like, we have to see the whole picture. We have to be accounting for everybody can't do foster care advocacy. Everybody can't do homelessness. Everybody can't do medical advocacy. Everybody can't do, you know, food deserts. But what we can do is we can be mindful of those factors. Yeah. And we do each and every single one of us have a voice and a vote. And we can all go change systems together. Right. That's America. That's literally how we have done, solved every problem the nation has ever faced is we can get together, we can advocate and we can vote. So let's see these other issues for what they are fueling trafficking. Right. And if we care about saving the kids and ending the trafficking rings, let's get some health care for people. Right. Rant over. Beautifully said though. Thank you. We end the podcast with an I dare you. I feel like you just gave the I dare you. I dare you. <laughs> a call to action. So you can say that or, you know, if you have something, how do we better protect those that are in foster care? Like what is, what can the individual out there do? Yeah. So um, I want to dispel a myth. Okay. 
and then I'll do an I dare you. And I, and I know, you know, I'm, I'm long winded and we've been doing this for a while. First of all, people need to understand that the vast majority of kids in foster care have not been removed from their family because of some egregious abuse. It's neglect most often. And neglect might be as simple as we showed up and you didn't have any food in the refrigerator and you weren't home because you were at McDonald's working and these kids were in this house alone with no food. Now we're taking them. Again, not to try to go backwards in the conversation here about the intersectionality issue and all the factors that lead to these things, but the vast, vast, like up over 70% of the kids that are in the system come from that situation. They weren't raped. They weren't beaten. They weren't, you know, whatever. Right. Now those kids exist. Sure. Watch the news. (laughs) Right. So reunification our goal at fcac is reunification always number one goal is reunification so people push back on us well like how can you put that kid back with those abusive parents whoa 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 Mm -hmm. sheila (laughs) you don't know you don't know the circumstances of that case Mm. you don't know why those kids came into care you cannot automatically assume that every kid that's in foster care needs to be kept away from their dangerous dangerous family and needs to be put in in the in to some large house in katy right no the opposite, because you know what, you know, what we've been doing in this country since we, we've been removing black kids from their families since the day we forced them to come to this continent yeah. and we're still doing it. It's just legally acceptable. And we call it the child welfare system. Mm-hmm. So I dare you to think about this system differently and to do your work. Go follow us. FCAC Texas on Instagram. This is the kind of stuff I put out there all the time. This issue is disproportionately harming people of color. It is disproportionately removing black boys from their families and black Mm -hmm. girls from their families, especially here in Harris County. So get rid of this idea. I'm going to just say, I'm going to just call it for what it is. Because at the end, most people probably turn it off by now. We have to stop being white saviors. There you go. That'll preach. We talk about it in the trafficking space, but we got to talk about it in the foster care space too, in the child welfare space. White saviorism is only going to continue to perpetuate the problem in which we remove brown kids from their families because we don't think that their standard of living is our standard of living. And so the only hope is to have them adopted by a kid and by a family in the woodlands. That is the opposite of the problem, because when that kid turns 18, they're going to go find their birth mother anyway, and they are going to want to go back to their place of origin. So advocate for the kids all you want, save the kids all you want, but please, please, please understand that just because you are white and you are wealthy and you have means and you got a kid through college does not mean that you are the savior for these children. Please go meet their mother, right? the one that had the kids taken away, find out why, and then help that individual find a home or get food in the fridge, right? Yeah. Or support FCAC Texas. Um, and, and cause that's what we're doing. <laughs> that's yeah. literally what we Let's do. See, yeah. Right. And that's why we have social workers on staff is to support these families so that whatever that thing is that the state of Texas said was wrong, let's help fix that problem. So we can get this baby back home because no matter what reason that kid has been removed, no matter why that child has been removed from that home, guess what? Everybody has now been traumatized. Parents have been traumatized. Kids have been traumatized. Workers have been traumatized. Even if they get to come back home in a week, everybody's just been traumatized. So we got to reduce that and we have to start thinking about the issue differently. So I challenge you to become a foster home, 
not to take these kids and put them in your neighborhood and adopt them and turn them into the blind side. I'm talking about give them a place to live for. Sorry. That's amazing. Michael Orr, great football player. Uh, give them a place to stay while we work on their case. Be a safe space. Yes. Be a safe space without judgment. And give give us the attorneys the time to work this out. Right. You be a safe place where we can be ensured that this kid is okay while we work out their legal problems. Right. That's what we need. Um, Other than that, awareness is always important. Right. It's important. Follow us uh, on Instagram, on Facebook. Our website is fcactexas.org. You can find us. I'm happy to do speaking engagements, whatever you want to do. Uh, to talk about the issue, to link it to trafficking. This is the second podcast I've been on to talk about trafficking. It is a unique thing that I have kind of this dual status in these worlds now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just, yeah, I would like to encourage all of our readers to give FCA, FCAC, 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 no, I would, I would really encourage everybody to give yeah. And to give get money. involved. Yeah. Money. yeah. Yeah. Money. When I say give, I mean money. Give me money. Yeah. Yes. Give money yeah. because that's necessary. It's critically necessary. It is. It's yeah. yeah. And that's the thing with us too, specifically is like, um, our, the whole, the whole element of what makes us unique, our social workers, our lived experience, parent partner, um, all of our paralegal, like everybody, they're all, they're all donor funded. Yeah. They Everybody's are. donor funded. So, uh, we could not do this work and we have, Okay couple things about fcac we have a, a zero zero recidivism rate wow we have over 200 clients on average every single year incredible and that's a mix of kids and parents right we take the hardest cases our success though is astronomical our social workers our parent partner they make the difference and so we do good work yeah, clearly. We are reuniting kids with yep. their families and we're getting kids who can't be reunited because that is the thing. We're getting them into safe, stable placement. And but we can't do that without partners. We can't do that without funding. And uh, and and literally, once again, nobody else does what our organization does in the entire state of Texas. And we've just described a lack of concern and care for so many that are stuck right. and you guys are providing that care. Yep. You're providing it ethically. You're providing it with, um, good legal experience That's right. and the correct degrees. And which is really important. You have people with lived experience on your staff yes, we to do. inform all of that. Yes, so we do. talk about a safe landing space. You guys are clearly a safe landing space. Yep. So please people, please all of our um, listeners go give, Adam, thank you so much for this, this is conversation. Great. This, this is again. wonderful. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. We could talk for hours. So thank you, friend, for being here. Yeah. yeah. More to come. I love UAHT. Uh, all the all the love to you guys. Y'all, y'all been on the landscape for, for since I, I can remember. Uh love you. Love Tamika. Uh, just the whole team. Everybody that's here. You guys do incredible work. Huge, huge fan. Support UAHT. Thank you for listening to I Dare You. We'd love to hear from you. And if you've completed one of our dares or have a suggestion for future episodes, or just want to learn how to further engage in ending trafficking. You can find us on all major social media platforms, or feel free to shoot us an email at podcast at uaht.org.